0: Everybody, I'm Dr. Amy's Bolster, and I'm here with uh, one of the individuals that I look up to most in our profession. And so I asked her if she would mind sharing with our group today. And I was so honored that she said yes. This, of course, is Dr. Liz Anderson Peacock. And I just first want to just give you an opportunity, if you're if you're cool with that, just introducing yourself. Who are you? What are you up to? What have you been up to? All that stuff. I'm just me. <laughs> <laughs> um. I've been in
1: practice 34 years, um, got really into sort of the pediatric world by uh, wanting to improve my skill sets, and uh, was one of the first graduating classes with a DICCP through the ICA program. And then Larry Webster actually brought me on to do some initial modules with the ICPA, and then he passed away, and then I've been on and off with the ICPA for a number of years teaching with them as well. and. Uh, what can I say? I' have grandkids, I two of the two, my, uh, my stepdaughter and son-in-law, they're both chiropractors. They run the old practice, and I now I've sort of got a very boutiquey practice out of my home, which sort of which not just sort of it sees only children and an occasional adult when they're like begging me <laughs> because uh-huh. I really want to stick to just the kids and uh it's been an amazing uh transition in practice for me it's been awesome and what else can i tell you i do a lot of different things so i don't know which direction you really want me to go in but uh loving life. And
0: yeah. That's one of the reasons that I really wanted um, you to share with our group. And I'm honored that you are, are, and are willing to, um, is because you do have a lot of other, you have, you have a lot of perspective. You know, one of the things I was first, um, I first met you and was introduced to just you and your Eunice at an um, ICPA seminar. I, I literally don't even know how many years ago, maybe seven, maybe six, something like that. And I was, um, Really, We were talking a little bit before this, and I'm just going to share it. I was really um, just inspired and kind of taken aback by the difference I saw in you and how you lead and how you teach as compared to what I experienced a lot. Not to put anybody else down, but just it really resonated with me how you were – the way you teach isn't to elevate yourself, but instead to say like, Hey, this is what I've got going on. And if it can be of service to you to help you and more people like that's great. Um, and, uh, from a mindset standpoint, from a personal development standpoint, from a clinical, your, your clinical knowledge is deep and, um, all of those areas. And it felt really honoring to the student and also to you. And so, um, I really loved that. And the other thing that was really inspiring to me was it was really the first time within chiropractic that I had heard one of our leaders talking about, um, you know, really developing strong interprofessional relationships to help our practice members and not from a, um, you know, I have to just see somebody and refer them out, like know how to refer out. That kind of gets a bad rap, you know, in our profession where people are like, well, if I refer out, we're losing chiropractic. And instead of that, it was really this, no, I developed these these. Working relationships, I I have I have developed this way to communicate with other practitioners because I've seen challenging cases, right? You were you are and you do see challenges, um, and you you know work with other professionals. So if you, I would love for you to share with our group just sort of how you evolved into that and how how that's worked for you because that's one of the things from the focus standpoint I think is really important is is understanding it's not just like We don't necessarily have all the answers. We have to, I think, be the team leaders or be on a team, but we have to be able to communicate that and work with other providers. So all that being said, how have you done that? And how's that work for you? Mm -hmm. Well, there's
1: a number of sort of things I think I want to touch on what you just talked about. And the first one is, uh, we don't own patients. We don't own people, right? And so ultimately it's what's gonna best serve this person. And when you have good self-esteem and you're secure in yourself and you make the right decisions, I don't refer out, I co-manage or co-care with other professionals. And so there's a very different language. And I'm really clear on what I do as a chiropractor. And as a result of that, when I see gaps because a lot of these kids have fallen through the cracks just with the way that the system often is, or it's an emerging situation that's just sort of coming into the, you know, what we're seeing at this point. And in, in the process with that, it's a matter of where do I think uh, this child can best be served in areas that it's not my uh, wheelhouse or my silo or my what I love to do or my um, area of expertise or special interest, however you wanna word that. And so it's very interesting. In practice, I had a number of physiotherapists that were actually pediatric physiotherapists. And when I referred out to them, I was very... Of course, they understood what I did. And they were really happy coming in as patients because they knew I wasn't doing physiotherapy. And at the same time, when I started referring out and I said, you know, how do we create sort of a team? But let's make this an effective team where we're not having to do like these two-hour, week-long talks about these kids make it efficient. And so that you can do what you want to do. I can do what I want to do. And if we have to have other professionals in there as well, and we look at this is what my intention, my goal is, let's check in when we get to that point. And we would all check in and see where we were and where we needed to go. And yeah, we would cross talk of course, with permission from the parents, which of course, they're always going to give you permission when it's, you know, the intention is to help your child. So it was Mm -hmm. really interesting. And I think a lot of it is, um, this sense of who are you in practice and who do you want to be? And why would you not use the expertise of other people that love what they do? Because when you refer, when you co care and you co manage, if you, I don't like the word management, but co care, Mm -hmm. the patient wins. And so you, they get credit and you get credit. The parent is happy. It's sort of like you're lighting another candle and you know how that phrase goes is that when you light another candle, you don't lose your own brightness. It's like that with co-care. You can light another candle and it doesn't lose your brightness. If anything, parents are even going to trust you more because you weren't trying to hold on and try doing something that you're not really fully immersed in. Uh, And so again, it's sort of that whole trust piece, right? And I'm really real with people on, you know, parents would come in and they would tell me a disease that their child had. And I'm like, well, look, I don't treat that disease. I don't even know what that disease is. You know, it's a genetic whatever. And I'm like, you tell me about it. Because believe me, these parents know way more. And then I would learn about it. And I want to be very clear, I'm not treating the genetic disease just so that that doesn't get distorted by some people that like to distort things. Yeah, I am looking at what's in my scope, right? I'm looking at the function of the spine and the optimizing function of the spine and and its impact on the nervous system and uh and sort of the lifestyle piece so that's what I'm really looking at and so I think that that's really those are sort of some key things to be thinking about anyways.
0: Yeah I think that was beautiful you you nailed so many of the things that I think are um so important and actually some of the things that um when I looked at okay, how do I want to uh, help help doctors like you have helped others like myself? Um, um, what are some of the things that are really important about this? And w- and one of them that you said that I think is super important. Well, t- two really is um, first of all we. Don't have to be um, the expert in all of um, these different conditions that come in. As you open the door to neurodeflective neurodevelopmental disorders, it's like you are going to get all of these things. People are coming in. And here's what you don't want to do is just, um, oh, yeah, I I know that. And and pretend like you're an expert. It is okay to say, I don't know what that is, but I'm going to research it. And can you tell me more about that? And let me tell you what I know and what I do. Right, and so um, one. That's okay. In fact, it's better. And parents, mom especially. She is diagnostic gold. She gives you—you you just gotta li- you just have to listen to her. And the thing is, is when you listen to her, and this is some of the things that we teach as well, is first develop a language so you can have these com- this communication with other practitioners and with parents and whatnot. One, none of their providers are doing that, right? Are like talking. So the parents love you because they're like, one, you're listening to me, um, you value me because I know most what's going on with my kid which most of the time they're like kind of poo-pooed like mom she's just been on the internet um and you're talking and you're making an effort to communicate with and co-care I love that with the other providers Um, it's just we need to refine that a little bit so that we're not um I think chasing shiny things like losing our faith or our our understanding and what the science tells us about chiropractic, our science, art and philosophy, and trying to chase the shiny other modalities or symptoms or whatever, when we can be grounded in like, Hey, I know how to lead with brain development to make the case for chiropractic, those conversations and everything become really easy. Right. Um, Am I I think so, I'm. You know, still
1: there there's a point there that I really would like to expand on a bit. That I think it's so important. If you look at evidence-based medicine or evidence-informed medicine or evidence-informed care, evidence-informed whatever, we all know it's that three pillars, right? It's the um, the evidence, and and I will also say that because there's evidence, it doesn't necessarily represent the truth as well. It's what it's the current knowledge base, okay? And we know that evidence and knowledge change. Evidence slash knowledge changes over time. But the other two pieces are rarely talked about. And to me, the number one piece that should be talked about is patient values. What is the patient looking for? What are their goals? Uh, The other one, of course, is your own practitioner experience and or you're borrowing the experience from colleagues that can walk you through a case and help, help facilitate things for you. But when we get into the patient values, I think this is really key. Because you mentioned about moms know everything. And I think the leading question to always ask is, how can I help you? What are you looking for? What would be a great result? Because now then you can say, is what they're looking for, for what they need help with, and the results that I think I can create, co-create with them, is that in my scope? Yes, if it is. If it's not, where do I need to go? And or if part of it's in your scope and and you think there's other things out there, then you facilitate that as well. But that's, I think, the key piece is really asking that question of how can I help you? What are you looking for, right? And this is the problem that I find with, I'm going to call it the academic elitists that don't understand that there are populations that are looking towards traditional alternative methods that they're not going to get the same experience and the same perspective. And that's precisely why they're in your office, is to have a different perspective from what they would get from a annual therapist, right? It's that uh-huh. background of the glasses that we put on as a chiropractor, I think that really makes a difference. And so we really need to pay attention to that. And I think we need to be checking in with that always as we're going through care is, are we still on course? What are you looking for now? Are we achieving? Are you seeing these changes? And those are those pieces that you want to be documenting. And then you can end up having some beautiful case studies if you are doing the documentation um, on you know the subjective findings, the objective findings, the conversation with the parents on changes in behavior, changes in sleep, changes in food, cha- you know, um, how they're eating, changes in behavior, changes in their, their ability to manage stress, no matter, you know, and there's a lot of different forms that people can even use that are on iPads these days, like the Promise, for example. Uh, you can have multiple different forms that can be uh, done at various stages in the care uh, model that you're, create- you're using.
0: I love that. Um, gosh, I feel like we could probably talk for um, 18 hours, um, even with an unstable internet connection. <laughs> exactly. Dr. Liz, we might have to do a seminar together. I think it would be pretty fun.
1: <laughs> be very fun. You never know where these things get burst. burst. Hey,
0: I'm, in. Yeah. I'm telling you right now, I'm all in. Um, that was um, awesome. so one of the things that you said that I think is, is, is really important, and one of the things I always um, like to kind of weave through the curriculum when I'm teaching about the developmental hierarchies of the brain, you know, I, and I borrowed those, I learned a lot of that from neuro is looking at, and, and developmental psychology where it's like, like, look, we want to under, we want to ask, um, like you're saying, like, what are, what are your expectations? Basically, what are your goals? What are your wants? Um, and when we understand the processing of a brain and stress and the development of the brain, when looking at these hierarchies, it's like sometimes, um, one, the expectations, we might need to manage those expectations a little bit based on, you know, Hey, I want my kid to be able to read at grade level. Okay. Well, um, awesome, me too. I hear you. First of all, we don't want to shut that down. Um, there's some things that need to happen before we get there. Right. And so we want to just watch and wonder a little bit as we apply what we do of removing interference, in the nervous system and making sure the brain's getting what it needs and maybe co co I love that and all that, but what are from our, us understanding and then being able to communicate that, what would be maybe some of the things we need to look for first, maybe our first jumping off goal needs to be that we're having, um, better movement of their body and space. And they're starting to attend outside of self to others and making better social connections and being able to really specifically communicate that to parents on why that is a stepping stone to being able to enter the more abstract visual cognitive world of improving reading, right? Mm -hmm. But they're not going to be able to tie that together and have the appropriate expectation if we can't, understand ourselves. And then what happens is one, they might be upset and then leave because it's like, oh, we're just another modality that they tried that didn't work for six weeks or whatever. And, or then the, as the chiropractor, we may go, well, shoot, like I, you know, thought that if I started adjusting, like they would be, up to grade level reading and I'm failing and I don't is chiropractic even good maybe I need to start doing like all these other things instead and so it's just like this 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 horrible situation that I see happening that that you're bringing that up I think it's great um where it's like we have to understand where they are we have to understand from a neurological standpoint and developmental standpoint like how do we bridge that gap for them instead of just like shutting them down or promising them that we're gonna get there in some sort of time
1: yeah well really really Good point. And I think even um, of more uh, relevance as well or an, of additional relevance is also framing because sometimes they have to go backwards before they can yeah. go forward. And so yeah. you better pre-frame that with parents beforehand so they understand the why. And it makes so much sense when you when you can explain it to them that, you know, we've, we've missed certain milestones, so we actually have to go back to this milestone, let the body reintegrate it, which means it's going to demonstrate by movement or behavior as it's there, different, and different isn't always bad, it, different is actually, if anything, I always say, report to me anything that's different, because I want to know anything that's different because to me different means that something is changing and the change is what we're looking for in the body's new way of having to adapt and then catch up. So really significant to bring the parents along the journey with you.
0: And as you yes. know, I'm a
1: big fan of always making the of, of communicating and make the unseen seen for the parent because they don't necessarily, well, when you point it out to them, they'll always look at it. So for example, you know, if you start looking at a cranium and you start to point out eyes and ears that are different and or a tort, a bit of a, you know, torticollis or compensatory postures, um, once the parent sees that, they're like, wow, never saw that before. And now they're totally looking and then they're looking for change. So it's a matter of making the unseen seem, which is like these behaviors as well on looking for and then bringing the parents really, I guess what I'm really saying is bring the parent along in the journey as well, which is exactly what you're saying.
0: Yes. I love that. That was so good. And the, look, I've made the mistake definitely in the before where I didn't talk to them about like, sometimes it looks like this, like, and here's the thing with, when we're looking at neurodeflective or neurodevelopmental, especially like autism, sensory processing, you know, you hear the word regression, or if a parent feels like there's a regression going on, meaning they're losing skills or skills have changed that they once had and now they look different. That is like a I'm running for the door moment for these parents because they're like, whoa, 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 we've done this before, and a regression. In their, in their term, and if we use that word too, but if they see signs of what that has looked like when maybe they have had a, a true regression in skills before, which is what got them here, that regression changed the trajectory of their life forever. That wasn't like a stop along the way of growth. And so if we don't, and I have, I have, look, I'm always like, look, there's always going to be downs before there's ups. Always. There's always going to be change, and it may be bigger. It may be smaller, but there's going to be that. So I always say to parents, I'm like, look, I expect this. This is just what I expect. Um, you know, that we'll see a little bit of this pulling in. It's not a regression. It's a pulling in. We're watching it. We are going, we're going to be making sure it's a step along the way. Don't worry. We're not ignoring it. I think that's one of the things too that sometimes we can get in trouble with is like, ignoring it or pretending it's not happening and not communicating with the parents about that. Um, Cause they're feeling it. Even if you tell them like, no, 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 don't worry about that. They are worried about it. Right. And so if we can't bring them along the way, like you're saying with like, So this is how I preframe it. And I'm like, we're going to see that. And then we see growth after, you know, we pretty much always see this. So the first time it happens, you're going to come to me. You're still going to be really worried because, and that makes sense. And it's okay. Please come to me with that. Let's talk about it. Um, And then we'll hang in there together and we'll watch the change happen and we'll see that. And so the second time it happens, um, potentially, then you're going to go, okay, I feel not quite as worried. Just still probably be a little worried, but maybe the third or fourth time you're going to go okay what's coming like what growth is coming now right what's going to happen after this so we're so they understand that and and i think that can be super scary um, for chiropractors because and other practitioners because it's like oh my gosh uh they're seeing something has that's gotten worse or they're saying this like is chiropractic not working? Do I not know enough doing it? You know, because we don't know enough about how to lead with brain development, like what you're saying. And so then we have the chiropractor who's scared and then we have the parent who's scared and then like, we're not serving these people, right? Right,
1: exactly. You know, I think the, the big piece there to me that, that I wanna just uh, make sure that everyone hears it is acknowledging what the parents, um, what the parents are saying to us and and hear them and acknowledge that we're hearing them because that can, you know, it's when people repeat themselves or when people um, don't, no one likes to not be feeling like they've been heard. And a lot of these parents, I think, have often not been heard or people shut it down. And, and depending on what's going on with the child, some of their friends could be because they just don't know how to handle it. And it's like, I've heard it enough, whatever. And we, we might be a bit of an outlet. We might be able to um, help streamline some of that conversation. And but, uh, but ultimately, the parent needs to feel that they have been heard in a way that it validates them in what their experience is. And to be able to move forward and the other piece i just want to touch base on that you talked about is if things feel like they're going sideways you just want to document and i would say that this is a moment to maybe do what i call tanner's clinical judgment piece is you stop and you you notice you interpret you reflect and you respond or respond and reflect and those are i we all do that i think in cases where it's like hmm I was anticipating this to happen here. Am I really off base or am I really on track? And it's a matter of, okay, so notice, interpret, respond and reflect. It's like, okay, we're on, but I just had to do a real check in there. And I think that holding ourselves accountable to doing regular check-ins that way is really, really helpful. And I know I've had that with some parents where I've said, look, my brain is kind of going in two ways of, of, of sort of problem solving this. And right now I'm going to go in this direction because that makes the most sense to me. And, I, and that's what I'm sort of tuning in with the most. That's what just in this direction. But if things are not quite the way I want them to be from what I'm expecting, what we are expecting, then we may go on this other path over here. But right now this is the one I want to do. And so I think that that's really key. And when anyone goes into the, the uh, unexpected, you have to always anticipate there may be fear because we have to hold the space and the unexpected because we literally, um, we're creatures of habit. We are, we like to know what's coming next. And with some of these things, we don't know what's coming next. And that does create fear, but you just need to, when I say hold the space, you just need to be able to tune in, make sure all your T's are crossed, your I's are dotted and allow that body to do what it's designed to. And if you feel you're missing something, get the help from someone else, right? Co-care. So I think that that's another really key piece too.
0: Yeah, that was gold. There was a lot of gold in what you just said right there. Um, I know I'm going to re-listen to this. (laughs) Um, So I hope everybody got that and go back. If you feel like you missed some of that, I'm telling you there was a lot of gold nuggets she just delivered there. So um, I think that is amazing. And Really, you know, I I always say like, look. One of my core values is simplicity, and for my own self, in my own clinical work, I, I, I've I looked at all of this with with neurodevelopmental disorders, and I kind of grew up in this. Not kind of did, grow up in this. And then I brought all these pieces together, and I went, how do I put all these pieces? How do I do what you just said? How do I make sure go back? And check in and say, are all my T's crossed, right? And like, which way do I go? And I think that that is a really important point, because I think a lot of people don't know how to do that necessarily, because there's a lot of voices, there's a lot of influence. And, um, and so, um, one of the things i've done for myself is just really look at these and it guides me these developmental hierarchies of the brain and how chiropractic fits into that and then it makes it really easy and simple for me to say um okay uh here's the next logical thing or "Nope, we're on the right path this is this makes sense or this doesn't make sense And, and then it becomes really easy to know when to start having those conversations or reaching out and talking to the parents and the other providers and, you know, all of that. So that we're not guessing, we're not chasing shiny things. We're not going, Oh, throw the chiropractic out and start doing more nutrition um, or, you know, and not to say that nutrition isn't, it's important. Primitive reflexes, important, all these things important, but how do they fit together?
1: Right. And
0: um, so that's what that's where I'm really passionate about why I like teaching chiropractors just sharing. I'm like, look, I'm not the, I'm nobody special. I'm just sharing with you what I've done um, in my practice with these hierarchies to blend all this stuff together, but keep real principled chiropractic, but know how to do what you just said. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I don't want to keep you too long because I, I could keep you for a long time and I'm super enjoying this myself, but um, thank you for sharing all of that. Um, I, there was just so much value there. And I I do hopefully I could convince you that we could do something together in a longer version one day. That'd be fun. Um, awesome. But okay. <laughs> Um so I would love um for you to share some perspective, just like just short little takeaways. One for these are some weird times we're living right now. These are some challenging times. And um I know that we've all lived through challenging times. I know that's one of the things that I was really attracted to and inspired by with you that you had a lot of, um, you know, mindset and um, um, you even had some like visualizations in your seminar and I like really loved that. So just if you could, if you, if you felt good about maybe sharing one piece of advice for doctors for themselves right now to keep them, keep keep their heads right during all of this and then maybe one thing that you think they should be sharing or consider sharing with their practice members?
1: Sure. So let me, um, I think what I would suggest is really for you to think of how can you help you right now, which means what, what are your needs and what do you need to face? So as I talked about it before, because this is sort of an extraordinary time that we're going through right now. And there are a lot of things that are unknown, unknowns, because we like to have our life being very predictable, we like to know how our day is framed. When that leaves us, we get we often can retract and go into fear, which changes breathing changes habits that we would normally have. So I think that this is a great opportunity for us to do the 10,000 foot view on ourselves. So moving out from where you are, if you were to do a mega cognition and look down on you, what is it that you need to do right now, but tune in to do that. And it may have to start with doing some breathing exercises and it, you know, there's a lot of different ways that people can doing breath to really stabilize your, um, reduce your sympathetic and allow the parasympathetic to allow for more growth and growth and repair and things like that. But, um, stay with your own healthy practices in the standpoint of, you know, all the other things that we do to, to in, from a lifestyle standpoint. Um, I think that I look at this sort of as an opportunity. We mentioned this the other day on a call is sort of, I kept getting this Phoenix rising last week in some of my meditations and i'm a big meditator now and this phoenix represents rebirth and regrowth and coming up from the ashes and something that's being recreated in a new way so why not do a swat on your own practice right now on you know what are the things that you do well what forms would you want to change why don't you spend time now doing that Um, how are you connecting with your community? Even just an email, how can I help you? If you can't physically see people, how can I help you? Or you do a Zoom call with whoever patients want to show up and just do a quick, I'm checking in, wanting to see how people are doing, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Sending out emails that are just really uh, just good things to do, maybe about breath, So there's some simple things that you can do from, for example, the um, foundation for chiropractic progress, they've got some things on breath work and, you know, there may be other tidbits that you might want to share with your people and, you know, you just blind CC everybody and you can do that. Uh, So I think that there's, there's a lot of opportunity to do connection points with your patients. Um, You know, even just saying, Hey, I hope you're doing your exercises with your kids. And if you need any follow-up, you know, connect with me, even though it might have to be virtual or whatever it is. You want to keep things connected within the community that you're with. And, uh, and then cleaning, I like to say cleaning up our messes and incompletions in our own practice. And I think that this is a great opportunity to do all of that so that as we come out of it, we can hit the ground running. So taking more seminars, taking more things that you may feel that you have um, you, you want to strengthen yourself up in so I think there's a, there's a lot of things that we can be doing. And I think that I, for me, I have learned in general to put less focus on things that I don't want in my life because my energy my, my, my energy is going to follow where my awareness is. So my energy, I want it to be sort of in that, that realm of connection and wholeness and joy and grace and peace and that sort of thing. And love. And and so it's a matter of being careful with who I talk to, how much I talk to about certain things. And yes, things creep in. You get yourself pulled sideways. It's like, oh, noticed I'm off on my side. Now get back to center. And it's not about beating yourself up. It's just like, whoa, you know what? All of a sudden I'm like feeling kind of tense. Oh, I was just thinking I was on the whatever, you know, and bring myself back to where I want to be. You know what? And I don't feel like I don't want to be there right now. I really want to get into that, the nitty gritty of the, the horribleness of it. It's like, you know what? Physiology, you're driving it that way. So get back. I can't do some breath work, do some burpees, whatever, get that yeah. psychology changed, then get into a little mini meditation or whatever. But I think there's so many opportunities for people to stay and hold the course. And I will say, if we have a responsibility as human beings, I'm going to say that to me, if we are more conscious, and when I define conscious, I mean self-aware and aware of what we're thinking, aware of what we're doing, aware of how we're being... We owe it to not just ourselves, but to the global citizens and the planet to upregulate ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. And to be the example, not of perfection, but be the example of being on the journey of doing the, doing the work. I'm going to say doing the work and catching ourselves and getting back on track
0: that was awesome. More gold, lots and lots of gold right there. Um, and one of the things I love about you so much is your realness. And that's, um, I resonate with that. Um, where, you know, I think something important in there is to go like, Hey guys, even us as practitioners, it's okay if we get like what you said, like off on our side a little bit, just, you know, recognize it. Don't beat yourself to live, don't park there. Right. And, um, and I think also, I think that's it's totally okay and maybe good to share with your practice members. Like, you know, I'm doing this stuff too. We're all in this. Um, you know, and you don't get on a, you know, a, a Zoom call with all your practice members and, and talk 30 minutes about all your woes. Like, don't live there, right? Show them like, yep, I had a I had a, a, a day today and I feel like I let my kid watch a little too much TV because I was doing this and I kind of felt like shit about that. But you know what? Tomorrow is going to be a new day and here's what I did. <laughs>
1: you know it's about sharing what did you learn about yourself today right or what do you what did you become aware of that you weren't aware of before and i think that's really the beautiful thing with it and and that way we also don't end up being very preachy you know and um i think that that's really really significant as well in 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 when we are sharing it's to not be a preacher share it's supposed to be um a a self-reflection piece put it that way Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, thank you so much. I know that, that this was, this was, this is impactful for me and, um, fun for me. And, uh, I'll be watching this again to get some of those gold nuggets that you shared. And, um, I know it will be for other people. Um, so thank you so much for your time, for your experience, for your wisdom and just your Eunice. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: You are welcome. And I am so happy for what you're doing. You know, the community benefits from it. And um, I, anytime I can uh, assist with promoting you, I'm there for you, girl.
0: Uh, well, you, that just, I, to let the audience know, I, I didn't even, I was like, certainly, certainly she doesn't know who I am, but I'm going to send her a message. And I sent her, I sent Dr. Liz a message on private message the other day when we were, after we were in like a... A, a meeting because we're both speaking at the same place and I said I know you don't know me but you've made this impact in my life in this way and I just you know wanted to tell you that and she's like I know who you are in your program and I was like shut up <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's a real honor to me and um, I'm not kidding I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna convince you maybe to do some collaboration it'll be that would be fun that would be so. fun, would be yeah. fun. Yeah. all right Awesome! Thanks for everything you do. You have a, a wonderful day and um, we will see you through and on the other side of all this stuff. Okay. <laughs> awesome.
1: Everyone be right. well. Okay. Yes. Thanks so much, Liz.
0: Bye. Bye.